Hey everyone, Ryan Smith here. Welcome to uh, the Common Thread Threadcast. Uh, we're going to try to put these out each week as we're going into our new series from the inside out. If you're joining us uh, from just the internet or Facebook, wherever you found us, so welcome, welcome. Hope that you can stay with us and I uh, want you to know that we uh, try to put these out weekly just to kind of dive deeper into the topic that we're dealing with, but then also um, we're trying to use that as a, as a kind of introduction into... Uh, some conversation online using Faith Life. If you want to know more about that, let us know, um, and we'll let you into that pretty easily. But um, sometimes we feel utterly alone, um, even when surrounded by other people. And that feeling leads to that thought that God and others have abandoned us. And Psalm 22 expresses this feeling of abandonment. Now, although this psalm was written sometime around 900 BC, its correlation to Jesus's to Jesus nine centuries later is uh, amazing. This is why the New Testament quotes or alludes to the psalm 24 uh, different times. The first verse of the psalm has the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus recited these words on the cross just before he died. The songwriter complains that he's scorned and despised by people, which is consistent with what happened to Jesus 900 years later. Perhaps one of the most intriguing parallels is in verse 16, where the songwriter says that his enemies have pierced his hands and feet. This sounds a lot like uh, death by crucifixion, but crucifixion as a method of execution was unknown when this psalm was written. The Persians would be the first to use crucifixion, though they wouldn't start until a few hundred years later. So verse 16 seems to look forward to what Jesus would experience as his executioners pounded nails into his hands and feet. In verse 18, the psalmist describes his enemies as dividing his garments and casting lots for his clothing. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus as he was dying on the cross. And the Roman soldiers gambled for his clothing. So Psalm 22, uh, we kind of consider as part prophecy uh, as, it look ahead, as it looks ahead to the suffering of Jesus some 900 years in the future. But it's also a psalm of emotion um, that people have identified with throughout the centuries. And that's kind of where we want to focus today, this idea of what it means to wrestle, to feel feel, um, lonely, to feel the emotion of being abandoned. Um, And so we start off, have you ever felt abandoned by a person? Or by God, you know, what was that like? You know, we had some people today on our gathering just kind of hadn't thought about it. Um, and at first, at first take thought, no, I haven't. But as I thought deeper about it, they recognized it in their life. Uh, another question: Do you, did Jesus ever feel abandoned by God? Um, if so, and when? And you know, here's where we talk about the cross, and um, you know, he took away, he took his sins on us. Um, this is when God kind of, um, and there's debate on this, but did God truly leave him? But this is why he cries out in agony and quotes the Psalm 22, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? But then that kind of leads to the other question, since God abandoned Jesus, does that mean that we might be abandoned too? Um, this is one of those that, again, people debate, but, you know, the, the idea that Jesus took our sin onto himself, um, I think is, is also a, a conversation piece, you know, that love... Um, never fails, right? That we will not be abandoned because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so there's some things to think about in there. But today, I want us to j- dive into Psalm 22 and just kind of um, look at the, the feeling of abandonment and uh, loneliness. Um, and so the first point that I want to point out today um, is that we all 
go through times when we feel abandoned or alone, um, that this is something that is true to everyone. And I think uh, one of the evils of this is that in the moment we feel like we're the only one, right? That we are, we're the only ones out there. But this is something that I think we can all hold to, that we all um, have, have faced this. And so um, we're going to look at this through one through verses 1 through 21. But um, David, who wrote this psalm, um, he felt tension between his experience and his theology. God not only seemed far away, um, he was also silent. David felt utterly forsaken, yet there's nothing in the psalm to indicate that God's distance was due to David's sin. Now, David acknowledged his faith, yet he does not find the comfort his forefathers were given. Most people in the ancient world believe something called this idea, the doctrine of divine retribution. And the essence of this doctrine was that if you were successful and wealthy, then God liked you. But if your life was painful and difficult, you had hidden sin. You were under God's judgment. So wealth and happiness were viewed as infallible signs of God's blessing, and sickness and trouble were viewed as infallible signs of God's judgment. The book of Job was written, at least in part, to call this idea into question, but it still was widespread in the ancient world. And since David's life was filled with difficulty, people assumed he was under God's curse. Assuming this idea of divine retribution, people would think he must have done something really awful to deserve what he's experiencing. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him, right? They said this with sarcasm. Of course, people said the same thing to Jesus as he died on the cross. If you're a king of the Jews, they said, save yourself. So while God, God seemed silent, the people were speaking, and their words hurt. But David remembered how God cared for him in the past. Um, and I want you to hear, it's not unspiritual to feel forsaken to feel god forsaken um mother Teresa is a great example of this if you if you ever dove into any of her writings she felt by abandoned by god at times and throughout her life she was plagued by feelings of forsakenness and loneliness um you can find it in her journal she wrote quote i am told god lives in me and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul, unquote. Later she wrote, I want God with all the power of my soul, and yet between us there is a terrible separation. Heaven from every side is closed. And so we all go through times of abandonment, and we shouldn't try to hide it or pretend that we don't. I think that's the key in, in this, in, in fighting this idea, that it's not something that we do alone. So I want to read uh, verses one through one through twenty one and just kind of point out a few things as we go through this. Um, so let's start in verse one. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. Isn't it true, the idea of loneliness, that it's a 24-hour kind of deal? It's one of those things that we feel while we're awake, and we feel it as we go down to bed, and then our dreams even reflect it, and then we wake up, and it's still there. It doesn't stop, and this is what David is feeling. Verse 3, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors, they put their trust. They trusted, and they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am 
a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. And here, you know, this is where he goes into man. He goes, look at the, look at, look at, the, look at those people before me. Look at the, look at my neighbors. Look at those other church people. You know, they, they, they talk about this moment, God, when when you didn't forsake them, when you were there and you saved them. Look at, look at the, look at the people in the Bible. Look at all those things. Those are things we tell ourselves. We start comparing and we start saying, look, God, you did those things for them, but where are you for me? And David said, I'm just a worm. You know, if if you did it for them and you're not doing it for me, I'm, I can't be a man. All right. Um, I don't know if you've ever felt that. Moving on, verse 7. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Right? And you say, you know, he's a Christian or, or uh, you know, I'm a Christian. And, and the assumption then is, well, then they should be fine. He should be fine. I should be fine, right? You know, I, I, I've declared that God is, is the God Almighty and He's the most powerful and He blah, 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 all these things. If I've declared that in my past, then why am I feeling the way I'm feeling right now? And even the people around us, they don't see our loneliness because they assume that we're a Christian or that we are a follower of God or that we've been a certain way that we shouldn't ever feel loneliness. That's not true, is it? Verse 9. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. This is where David um, kind of pulls the card. He says, I, I've been a follower. I, I've been with you since birth. My whole life. I've dedicated my whole life to you. I've trusted in you. And he's basically saying, I've earned your presence, God. Um, I, I, I paid my dues, God. I, I, it's not like I've just, I just jumped on the bandwagon, right? I, I've been there, God. Since birth, you and I, we've been one. Why are you? so far off next he begins with verse 12 many bulls surround me strong bulls of Bashan encircle me roaring lions that tear their prey upon their mouths wide against me right the imagery here um, the imagery that, that in those times of abandonment in those times of loneliness that um, things get bigger it feels like there's strength and there's rage that comes out against us. And and we begin to feel like it's just getting worse and worse. Verse 14, I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted Within me, my mouth is dried up like a pot shared, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. And that this 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 section really resonates with me. This idea that 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 my body aches, that my bones are out of joint, that that every part of me, my heart, um, has just melted. My mouth is you know that that those moments when you. Fear or when you're so alone 
and you're tighter feeling in your head and your heart, but then your body just starts to ache with it. And then it gets worse. The dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for garments. Right? This is where we, we get the image imagery of Jesus. Um, but I also feel like you know, when it talks, starts talking about this, all my bones are on display, people stare and go to me. It's that it's that fishbowl life, right? When I feel abandoned, when I feel alone, I feel the stares. I feel people looking in on me, and, and they're, they're just watching, and they're waiting for me to screw up. It feels like they just, uh, I can't do anything right, and everyone is there that they see those moments that, that it just feels like they, they're cheering for those moments. Then he ends this section with, But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lion. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. And here's where we get a transition. Here's where we get a transition in the passage where he's, he's spent this time where he's going through this pain. He's going through his loneliness. He's going through the aches. He's going through the scaredness. He's going through the anger of what it means to be this way. But somehow in all of that, the transition is this calling out. It's a recognition. It's this idea that, that I can't do it. I can't do it alone. A lot of times we think we can, or a lot of times we think we should, right? Um, you know, if we will just be a, a little more Christian, if we'll if we'll be just a little more righteous, if we'll tell the truth just a little bit more, if we'll study scripture, if we'll pray harder, if we'll do these things, then somehow I'll pull myself out of this quicksand. But in this moment, David recognized and says, You are my strength. Deliver me, rescue me. And so there is this moment where we have to seek something greater, right? That higher power conversation that goes on. So that gets us through verses 1 through 21. But in 22 and 22 through 25, we get another teaching point. This is kind of a transition from this idea that we've all felt the loneliness and abandonment into we can find strength by choosing to be in community. Um, so if we only had the first 21 verses of this psalm, we would feel despair, right? Um, but something changes in verse 21 and 22. David's situation has not changed, but the only thing that has changed is that he is in community with God's people. Despite our urge to isolate ourselves when we feel abandoned, choosing community will help us find strength. We must choose to be with others because we know that strength comes from relationships. Choosing community means choosing to worship God with others as well as investing our lives together. So let's see that in verse uh, in verse 22. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him, all you descendants of Jacob. Honor him, revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering or the, of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise and great assembly. 
before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. And so in this, we find this idea that we are best in community. But I think the other, the, the, the part of this is true that we have to force ourselves to find it. That, that, uh, that there's times where you know, we, we want to be alone. We want to lock ourselves in a room and just get under the blankets and watch Netflix. But we have to remember that we are best in community. And so, so finding community may be in an in assembly, right? It may be in a, in, a, in a larger group. It may be in a, in a group or a table group, a smaller group. Or it may just simply be with one other person. But you need to hear that it has to start outside of just yourself right and the idea that where two or more gathered there he is this is all a recognition that we that you are best in community the third teaching point from uh from uh, psalm 22 is this is that we can find hope by looking to god's future kingdom okay we can find hope to looking to god's future kingdom and this is where um, the end, the Psalm 22 ends, verses 26 and 31. Let me read it to you real quick. It says, The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise Him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families and nations will bow down before Him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before Him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. And so, um, there is this transition, right, to where the beginning of 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 Psalm 22, he's talking about what it means to be alone. And then he moves into a conversation about what it means to be in community. But then he holds on to something better, that, that, that being in community is not a cure-all um, for all of our feelings of abandonment. In, in addition to the strength we gain from community, there is this idea that we also need hope. David's situation hasn't changed, but his outlook on life had. He pictured the future consummation of God's kingdom celebrated at a great banquet. And I don't know what it looks like for you to see that into the future but for, for, for David, we see this at this, this banquet conversation. He knew that both nations and future generations then would turn to God. So there's this idea that hope and abandonment or loneliness are not natural partners, but they exist together. They, 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 they have to come together. That when you feel those times of loneliness and abandonment, um, we have to, to wrestle with the concept of hope. That that is where we have to hold on to. But the other truth is that sometimes finding hope seems impossible. And I would just suggest, I think that's where, um, this is where you trust your community. That, that if there's moments in your lives where you can't even imagine what hope looks like or even grasp what hope looks like, you trust your community, that you let them speak hope into your life. You let them speak hope into your life, into your future, into your present. And the truth is is that you may not see it when they say it. 
But that's where you have to trust it. That's where you have to trust them. You have to trust that you are best in community. And it doesn't mean that you are always speaking positive in the community, but you allow them to speak into your life as well. And so that's uh, what we do um, when we come into loneliness, is that we surround ourselves with people and we allow them to speak into our lives and speak into our future and give us the hope that we ourselves can't grasp on, grasp, grasp hold of, right? And so, kind of one last action point as we close out. If you're feeling abandoned or know someone else who feels abandoned, I think the solution may be the same. That we reach out to someone else and let God use you to relieve another suffering, right? That in our loneliness, we can also be people who provide comfort. That we can, if we, in our loneliness, we seek others who might be alone and together we form a community that allows God to speak hope into our lives. And so, I just simply want to close with who is God prompting you to reach out to? Um, I want to encourage you that as we close this, that maybe you stop and you pray that you have the courage to reach out to that person. Hope you have a great week. Grace and peace.